Welcome to Curveball Defy. On today's podcast, we have the pleasure of having Joshua Bonatel. Josh has a bachelor's degree in exercise science from the University of Wisconsin-Madison and a master's degree from Edith Cowan University. He has had an exciting career being involved with major basketball programs early on and later pivoting to the venture capital world. In today's podcast, we will learn how he was able to become a great leader and establish his position as founder and current vice president of Future, as well as partner in TXV Partners. Thank you so much for coming on to today's podcast. And we, we want to get started and talk a little bit more about the environment that you grew up with and kind of how sure. that uh, turned you into the type of person you are and gave you the mentality that you have. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you guys um, for having me. Definitely excited to uh, jump into this conversation with you. And uh, I love that you started there because I think we're all a product of our environment. And, um, you know, I think for me, I consider myself very fortunate. You know, I'm I'm an only child. So I always joke, you know, I'm spoiled and selfish, uh, which I think my wife probably agrees. So, um, but, you know, I think within that it was, um, you know, growing up in a middle-class family, like we didn't, you know, probably lower middle-class, honestly. I mean, we had enough, we didn't have everything, but my parents sacrificed to provide opportunity um, for me. And, you know, my mom in particular, literally from, from the day I was born, um, her dream has always been to give me the opportunities to pursue my dreams. And, you know, my mom is kind of that, that mom who no matter how crazy that dream might be, nobody else believed, but she always believed, you know, and you know how moms are. So it was like anything. I, of course I could do anything, but, you know, I think that was really powerful um, because I never truly like grew up as a kid. You know, a lot of us, I think as we get older, then you get around society and, you know, you do have some of your big ambitious dreams get crushed because you don't get them the first time around, by the way. Um, But you're sort of told like, hey, grow up, get real, like get a nine to five or whatever it might be. Um, And, you know, my mom never did that with me, even though like my friends are laughing at me, everybody like, my, my like aunts and uncles are like, you need to talk some sense into, you know, Joshua, like he doesn't know what he's talking about. And then, you know, my dad is, uh, he, and they both are, my mom and dad both work very, very hard, but my dad is like the most stubborn person I know. Like he's, you know, like stubborn to his core. And so I grew up around that where it was like, you know, he'll go out and cycle when it's like, snow on the ground and you're like what the hell are you doing but it was like just that mindset of like not making excuses just working hard and all that and then you know I think the third piece of it is who do you surround yourself with when you're outside of your home who are who are your friends who you know are your peers your mentors your teachers um and you know I think I've always been very fortunate for whatever reason I've always just surrounded myself with amazing people, especially in terms of my friends. It's people who like they themselves, first and foremost, are amazing human beings. Like they're just, it's bigger than them. They're about helping others and creating opportunities for others. And they themselves are driven to be excellent at whatever it is they do. And so for me, I, you know, I just think the recipe of those three things together 
never, never stop dreaming. And in fact, because of like, especially my friend group, you look around and you're like, dang, they're doing some crazy stuff. My dreams actually aren't big enough. And then that stubborn quality um, that, you know, really I picked up from my dad, where it's like, there is no such thing as failure unless I stop, unless I give up. But otherwise, I just ran into an obstacle. And so I haven't lost, like, like you don't lose until you quit. And like, that's me. And probably my sort of motto in a nutshell is showing up as a skill. It's the simplest thing that any of us can ever do. But at the, at the same time, it's the hardest thing. And like 99% of people just will not do that. They, you know, it's, it's kind of like that meme, the two uh, diamond miners, you know, and the one is like literally one swing away from the diamonds and he's turning around and going back. And, you know, I just think that's such a great metaphor for, especially if you have big ambitions and you're chasing big dreams, they don't happen unless you keep showing up. Yeah. And I want to, before we continue, I want to give a huge shout out to all the parents out there, especially all the moms out there. I know that especially when you're starting something, your family are the people that are kind of your first supporters and are like, you could do this and you could always dream bigger. And I think that that's something that's super important. And thank you, mom, for always believing in me. Yeah. And all moms are super women. I know my mom was still in college when, um, well, she was getting her master's when she had me and she sacrificed a lot for me. So I'm really thankful for her. And I'm sure there's plenty of women out there in the world that do the same for their kids. Oh, yeah. uh, well, but, and then but, when you, when you go through the journey and cause my wife will kill me, but when you actually go through the journey and, and all those low moments where you want to quit, it's, you know, and for me, that's what it's been. It's, it's having that rock, having my wife who, no matter what, like, you know, and she's sacrificing too to make this possible, but it's like, she's believing in me, she's supporting me, but she's also giving me a kick in the ass when, you know, I, I sort of think about uh, giving up, but it's, yeah, man, it's that environment and your support system is so critical. The NBA is the top of the industry and getting there is a lot of networking, but as well, you have to know your material and study and, Strength and conditioning when you're on the with just starting a sport, it's one of the things that most of the time is overlooked. And mm -hmm. I know that when I first ran the marathon, I did not train for it the right way. And then I was like, oh, what? This doesn't feel right. Like I see all these yeah. other people doing it so much effortlessly. What am I doing wrong? So then I actually realized that there you have to do these stretches, you have to take these supplements, and all these things, they ended up helping me run a lot faster. So it's one of the things that is super important. So they're finding that niche in that industry that you wanted to break into is really interesting how you were able to identify the need and ultimately got in there. But I wanted to know a little bit more. What, how did networking play into getting those jobs? Because those jobs are pretty much all networking and work yeah. and betting on yourself. You know, it, it very much becomes uh, it's, it's relationships. And, uh, you know, ultimately, I think just success in life boils down to the relationships that you build. And I know for me, every opportunity that I've ever had, um, I can point back to at least one relationship that directly led me um, to that opportunity. And, and oftentimes, it was a collection of relationships that, you know, ultimately, um, stem to it. And so 
you know, going back because I knew I had a, I had a vision, I had a direction for where I wanted to go, which ultimately was the bulls. Um, so I had a, you know, I sort of had a North star now it was like, well, I actually don't really know how to get there. Um, so let me just kind of reach out to anybody and everybody, um, who might know more than me, who's in some way involved in, you know, training athletes or just training people or coaching or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and, you know, especially at that time, it was literally everyone, it was, you know, just going to the gym and who's like, who's the, the strongest guy or girl in there and just ask them questions. Who's the, who's the oldest people in there and like, how are they still coming to the gym and they're 90 years old, like learn about that. Like, and I realized, you know, I could learn something from everyone. Um, and you know, you don't, if you don't ask you, like, you don't get it. And so, you know, I'm sure I sent a lot of emails off into the void of like people I looked up to where probably I never, you know, got a response, but I think it was something where it's like each, each relationship you make, each door you sort of open each opportunity. If you take advantage of that. And, and what I mean by that is like, you pour yourself into that relationship. You, you know, you give, you try to add value to that person, you know, even though really like they're mentoring you, you add value, you show, um, you follow through with like the things, the advice that they're giving you. If they tell you to read a book, go read that book. And a week later, come back with more quite, Hey, I read that book. These three things I learned that were really interesting. I have these two questions and you show that like their time with you is well spent. And the more you do that, the more they're willing to, um, open that next door for you to introduce, Hey, I know someone that you should talk to. Um, and it starts to build that path. And so that's what I did, you know, kind of long story short, the process of doing that led me to, um, I was able to get an in with the basketball strength coach at Wisconsin, at the university of Wisconsin, actually one of my buddies who I played basketball with in, in college, um, just like at the, at the Corec, turns out he was a student manager for the basketball team. So as he and I developed a friendship, as he got to know what I was about, um, then I asked him, I was like, Hey, would you mind, like, would you introduce me to the strength coach? Um, and he did, you know, and that's another one. I didn't like the first day I found out he was a student manager. Hey, will you introduce like, he doesn't know me. He's not putting his name on the line for me. We built a relationship to where he knew what I was about and he was willing to make that introduction, um, and reached out, um, his name was Scott Hedenbach and Scott said, Hey, you know, happy to have you come in, check out a session. And so for me, it was like, man, this is my end. So I go, I, I check out a workout, end of the workout. Um, I, I make my pitch. I'm like, Hey man, this is what I want to do. I want to like get to where you are. Um, I'll do anything. I'll like freaking scrub the floors with a toothbrush. I'll clean the whole weight room. I'll get you coffee. I'll clean the toilet. Like, I don't care. I just want to be in the room. And uh, he looked at me and said, no, we don't have an internship. We don't, you know, but if you ever want to come back, another session, you know, let me know. And uh, so from that point forward, 
I probably annoyed the crap out of him because every two to three months I sent an email, found an excuse to ask him a question or like ask to, you know, come back in for a session every single time at the end of the session, I'd ask again, he'd say no. So this went on for close to two years. And then I ended up, it was going into my last year of undergrad. I'd gotten an opportunity, um, an internship at a place called IMG Academies, which is like one of the top um, academies in probably in the world, especially with developing athletes and pro athletes across all the sports. And so I did the same thing. I reached out to Scott. I said, Hey, I just got this internship. I start there in like six weeks um, for the summer. I'd love to come in and just learn from you. What can I do between now and then to prepare myself for this opportunity? And what can I do once I'm there to maximize the opportunity? So same thing came in, checked out a session. We talked about it all. Um, and then I went for my ask and I said, well, you know, next year I have to do a practicum in order to graduate. I was wondering if there's any way that I could do it with you. And it was funny is now there's two years at this point. And he kind of looked at me and, and I forget exactly how he said it, but he was like, Josh, if you leave me the alone, like, yes, fine. Yes. Like you can, you know, come in here, but literally that's what it took. You know, he told me, no, I don't even know how many times I, he told me to reach out to a bunch of other people that might have internships. They told me no. And I kept coming back. I kept coming back. And then eventually he opened the door to me. And, you know, what happened was they didn't have any internship, formal internship program before I got there. So they didn't know what to do with me. So they were basically like, the more I showed I was capable of, the more responsibility they gave me, which led to me as a student, they treated me as though I was an assistant strength coach. Like today, people would get, this is 2006, uh, yeah, 2005, 2006. People would get fired today for giving me the level of uh, autonomy and responsibility I had. Um, but it came as a product of showing that. And he said to me, he was like, Josh, it's Wisconsin basketball. It's, you know, perennially a top 25 program um, in the country. Do you know the number of, of emails that I get from students, people just like you that want to come in? So I do the same thing with every single one of them. Some people reach out a second time, a couple reach out a third. You're the only, only person that just wouldn't go away, you know? And so I think there's power in that. Cause then ultimately what that led to was he and the two other coaches I worked with at Wisconsin knew my boss with the bulls very well. In fact, one of them had, had previously interned there. Um, so when the time came, they made a phone call and, uh, you know, I really, I didn't even have to interview. They just spoke so highly of me that my, you know, that who became my boss and, and mentor was like, if they speak this highly of you, it's a no brainer. When can you start? Um, and that was my end. And the, the thing is, is you doing those little things in theory seems like you're doing like so much more than you actually are. And when you're doing those little things, you're building these relationships with people. It may take like maybe like 20 minutes out of your day, but what do you get in return? You get this relationship with people that now you have somebody to vouch for yeah. you and you get to kind of skip the line for doing these things. And you get to yeah. learn new skills as well as you never know what may happen in the future. The chef of the team one day may like have open up his own other restaurant mm -hmm. somewhere in the city yeah. and you may have 
some basketball players that want to get in, they don't know how, and then you turn out to like yeah. be able to help them. And it's kind of one of those things where it's like, why not help other people? You guys are all on the same team yeah. and doing those little things where somebody's like, oh, like, for example, like when the coach was like, I'm not running practice unless you're on the clock. Like those things just show how valuable you could be as mm -hmm. a person and just kind of like it. You have a job to do, but if you have opportunity to help other people and do other stuff, like it's super important to help them and yeah. work yeah. along those type of things. And definitely working with different types of technology and working with different people, different industries that must have been extremely helpful to your career, especially oh, yeah. that you transitioned from the NBA uh, to college level, but you were running the show. Can you talk mm -hmm. a little bit about how that felt like going to Purdue from the Bulls? Yeah. Um, well, you know, and, and you gotta, I'll frame this. I was, at the time the opportunity came up because I, I was recommended for the, the position at Purdue. Um, I was 27, you know, I'm young, single, living downtown Chicago. The Bulls are back, by the way. Like that was the year Derrick Rose ended up winning MVP. But like even mid-season, you, know, you knew he was the best player in the NBA. You knew he was going to win MVP. Um, we had the best record in the NBA. Like we're winning the championship bulls are back everywhere you go in the city. I didn't pay for anything. I didn't wait in a line anywhere. Um, you know, Chicago is one of those cities. If you're part of it and you're winning, they show you all kinds of love. We'd, you know, we'd win a big game and I'd come back to my office the next day. And here's a $200 gift card from the best, the best like steakhouse in the city saying congrats on the win last night, come join us for dinner. You know, it was like that type of thing. So I'm living my dream. And all of a sudden, you know, my, one of my biggest mentors, Mike Boyle, who I'd worked for in that year in between in Boston, um, reached out and said, Hey, I don't know what you're thinking uh, in terms of where you're at, but um, I just recommend you for the men's basketball job at Purdue. Um, follow up in, if you're interested and, you know, so I asked Eric, who's my boss with the Bulls about it. He was like, you have to do this. And quite honestly, reluctantly, I reached out just out of respect to, to both of them, went through the process, ended up getting offered the job. And I was devastated when they offered me the job um, because I knew I didn't have a choice. I had to take it because also Eric, who's my boss, had made that clear. It was like, you have to do this. You've outgrown this role you have to go and run your own program. And, you know, so honestly, the first, especially the first year, but even the first couple of years, I felt sorry for myself. I was, I was in my feelings. I was like, man, like I just went from being with Derrick Rose and Joe Keem and like, you know, in Chicago and now I'm in the cornfields of Indiana, like middle of nowhere, you know, like, like at that time. And so I was very immature, but as great mentors typically do, they see what's best for you before you do um, many times. And, and this was definitely that case. And you know, I think where, where I took sort of solace, so to speak, in being at Purdue was, you know, one, especially year one, um, my assistant, who is a brother to me um, to this day, Nicodemus Christopher, um, we were in it together. And he was someone that like, when you talk about um, 
you know, surrounding yourself with excellence. He's the epitome of that. And like, yes, he was my assistant, but I approached him as though we're equal. He's my co-head, you know, and, and I wouldn't even let people refer to him as my assistant. And so as much as I may have been a mentor to him, he was a huge mentor to me. And so that was, you know, so it was like, that was a bright light. And then the boys, like I loved, I loved the boys, like, you know, and, and each, each and every one of the guys, I could now help them, you know, bring out and, and reach, you know, what they, what they were capable of and get them to dream bigger than even, you know, they realized. And, um, you know, so I, I think I, what I did was I tried to kind of like bury myself in, in the work and the process of building something. And, you know, I did love that. And, you know, and it was, it turned out to be the exact opportunity I needed because it allowed me to take everything I'd learned from literally two of the best to ever do it anywhere in the world in team sports. When you talk about Eric Helland and Alver Meal, um, who've won six NBA championships. Alver Meal also actually won a Super Bowl with Joe Montana, Bill Walsh, 49ers. So to learn from them, to bring something that really like um, was ahead of its time at the college level, you know, especially in terms of, of like how personalized, how individual everything that we did was with each and every single player. Um, and, and, you know, even just my leadership approach, I think was very different of like, at that time, at the college level, there was this expectation of like, if you're a coach, you you're like, you should be a dictator, like these college kids do what you tell them to do, because you said so. And that's it. And I never took that approach. Because by the way, that does not work in the NBA. Like, imagine trying to tell, you know, this dude who makes $15 million a year, you must do this because I said so, or else I'll fine you. They'd be like, Josh, how much is the fine here? Like, leave me alone. I don't want to, you know what I mean? And so um, to take that approach to like really form partnerships, to really educate each one of these guys and empower them and like ask them questions, give them ownership of the program. Um, and it was, uh, you know, it, it allowed me to refine that approach. It allowed me to build something and, uh, you know, I had to go through and, and people were questioning me because it took time to see, you know, human development, physical development takes two to three years. So a lot of the stuff, you know, you weren't seeing it right away. And, and so I started to feel the pressure of like, maybe I do need to be a dictator. Maybe I do need to, you know, change. And, um, you know, you, you, you kind of go through um, that process. But I think like even going through that process just reaffirmed for me that like, as long as I approach this in the best interest of each individual player in mind and what's best for them, um, ultimately that's going to be what's best for Purdue and Purdue winning, even if it's, you know, it's kind of different, but I think by having that blank slate to build something, it allowed me to also start to establish myself and build a bit of a brand for myself and start to build, you know, a coaching tree to where every assistant I ever had at Purdue went on and is now a head strength coach in like high major college basketball, every intern, same thing. Um, and so I think it, it set the path for, you know, ultimately where, where um, I am today. Thank you guys for listening to part one of the podcast. Part two will be up shortly.
But in the meantime, you can check out the links below from today's guest. See you guys soon.